Alright, let's go. <clears throat> this podcast contains, uh, explicit language, adult beverages, delicious tobacco, and, what's that say? Flagrant misuse of dice? What does that even mean? Who the hell wrote this? To hell with it. I need a drink. Huh? Oh, okay, whatever. <clears throat> this is the Dice and Pipes podcast. Friday, Friday, ooh, Friday, Friday, ooh. Is that Justin Bieber? What the f- is that? I got Bieber fever right now. Is that what happens to you on Fridays? Welcome to Dyson Pipes, uh, the only podcast that compels people by force to smoke tobacco pipes, uh, drink the whiskey, and play table- <laughs> tabletop <laughs> games. Uh, I'm Brian. Hi, Chris. It's gone. We're not drunk. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're good. We're good. We're not. We're not pounding through six episodes at once. No, no, no. You no, know, no. we could probably just pretend to drink, but that would be, that would not be in the spirit of uh, of Dyson pipes. No, but that would be theater of the mind. It would be. Hmm. What are you? Uh, what are you smoking over there? This fucking bowl of this pipe is so big that it's the same pipe from last week. I just haven't been just able to finish this hasn't fucking tobacco. Burned down yet? No, it's tremendous. This is this Savinelli Mega. When they say mega, dude, if you want a fucking pipe that you're going to smoke forever, like, I'm convinced I don't have to ever add tobacco back into this pipe. That is like the the magnum condom for people with big quacks. Remember in the Conan movie, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in it? Kareem! Yes. This is like the club that he carried. Yes. You could kill a motherfucker with this thing. <laughs> we only use things that can kill people between this fucking pipe and these glasses that we, de- that we use. That we what? God damn, we're starting fucking early. Uh, as always, on Dyson Pipes, when you flub a line, oh. you've got to roll to see if you have to drink. 16. Oh, saved. Saved. So anyway, I have, uh, I have the McBaron HH Old Dark Fired in my Savinelli Mega and drinking a little uh, Jefferson's. We're getting through this bottle. He'll be done by the end, probably, of the Warhammer episode. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a there's a manly pile left. Yeah. In this no. There's gonna be a lot of fucked up words. Yeah. There's probably. gonna be a lot of rolling. It's, I'm it's sure. getting yeah. It's getting nasty. Yeah. You think uh, my trunk is big enough for me to sleep in? I think so. I think I can. Curl I mean, up I in have. That bitch. I have beds and couches. No, we're in the woods. We're in a cabin in the woods. Well, then you can stay out here. Yeah, I'll just sleep on the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna cuddle up with this candle. What it, is this candle? That candle. We should talk about the candle that's that's lit for every episode. What is that? So I like to get uh, what they call mandals, if you're a scumbag. Yes, uh, yes. This one is Nature's Wick, so it's got a wooden wick. And this one is Bonfire Nights. I like that. Uh, the I room wanna, note in here is incredible. It is. It yeah. is. It's a combination of Cerberus, uh, McBaron, Darkfired. Yes. And Nature's Wick. Good. I mean, it, it, smells, like, it smells like men in here. As it should. And the fire is going. I figured out how to turn the fan on. I 
don't know how many times we've recorded. And I Come forgot on, to turn, fucking stop it. I forgot to turn the fan on, but now it's on. When did you turn the fan on? Because I can feel... When you feel, went to go pee? Yeah, it's like considerably warmer on my side. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been freezing, and I'm trying to think, like, me fucking up words, is it a product of being drunk, or is it a product of being frozen? Well, I know whenever I'm cold, I can't speak. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Can't, can't talk. The so chill, today... The chill is getting to the jaw. The, the jaw. The jaw. Uh, today we're going to talk about using miniature. Uh, yes, too bad I couldn't carry that glory over to this episode. Come on, baby. Fifteen. Shit. Using miniatures versus yes. theater of the mind. Is that with an E R or an E R E? R E for sure. Of course. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, but before we get into that, yes, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dyson Pipes. Thank you. You're welcome. It's getting a little dicey and pipey. <laughs> I see what you did there. You like that? Uh, I would like to propose a toast. Yes. So I don't care if you're driving in your car, if you're at work, grab you- your whiskey that you have stashed <laughs> somewhere because you're a fucking degenerate in the windshield washer fluid reservoir. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and raise a glass. Glass raised. This toast goes out to women, women, yes, yes, who insist on wearing their sweaters around their necks. Why end it women then? Because guys don't do that, do they? Fuck yeah. You remember Easy Money? Was it Easy Money? There's a lot of movies where you see like these like pretentious college dweebs. I can't believe I just used the word dweebs, but you see them anyway, and they all have their sweater wrapped around their fucking neck like a bunch of losers. But anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt your toast, but yes, women who I had wear- no idea that this was a thing. Listen, far be it from me to disparage the good goddamn name of Waman. Yes. If it's everybody, it's everybody. So I don't understand what happens while building your wardrobe for the day that necessitates you putting your- your sweater tied around mm-hmm. your shoulders as if it were a mini cape or a shawl, perhaps. Uh, it bugs me, and it's always got to be a contrasting color with what you're wearing. And in my mind's eye, I see a skinny person wearing it. Yeah, there she is. Yep, thank he, you. That's a he. Oh, sorry. Well, he who are we to judge? Yeah, That's true. That's true. It could be anybody. Could be. It, it could be a, a Wolverine. Oh, I found it going. Wait till you see this guy. Oh, uh, let me see. Let me see. It's show and tell time. Like, could you be any worse of a human being? So we have a. Is metrosexual still a thing? Yeah, sure, oh, sure. Okay, so there's a. I mean, it's got to be, right? Of course. So there's a metrosexual looking man with uh, skinny jeans. Do they go all the way down to his shoes? Uh, no, they don't. They stop right above his ankle bone, if oh, I had to wager a guess. Be- because they're cuffed? No, just just because they got so tight. So he's wearing capris. Yeah. Okay. A long capris, I guess, with brown sandals, and he's got a white t-shirt tucked in, which is important, and then a black sweater tied around his shoulders with some huge aviator glasses and a quaffing haircut. Yes. Uh, okay, so- I'm sorry. What's on his left hip, by the way? Uh, it looks like a, a bag of holding. <laughs> this will be going up at the Instagram. <laughs> Dyson Pipes. Uh, a bag of holding on his side. Horrible. Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. You were saying yeah. women 
Woman. 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 <clears throat> and men, obviously. Yes. Uh, what happens during the wardrobe building process in the morning that you need to tie this sweater mm-hmm. over your shoulders? Because as we saw with that gentleman walking with his bag of holding, if he's wearing a short sleeve shirt and sunglasses, it's obviously warm enough that you do not need your sweater. Well, what if he plans on hanging out until nighttime? Temperature's going to drop. It might get chilly. Whatever happened to the hoodie? That's my question. Why can't we just roll the sleeves up on the hoodie? Whatever happened to having balls? Obviously, you can't have balls balls. when you're wearing jeans that fucking tight. That's true. You just can't have balls. They're like tucked back into your asshole. In my opinion. Yes. In my humble estimation, people who wear sweaters over their shoulders are the real-life version of bugbears. That's what I say. Fuck bugbears. Why why do they tie it around their neck? And what's worse, tying it around your neck or tying it around your waist? Well, when Nirvana was big, okay, uh, taking the flannel, the red and black flannel, yes, tying that around your waist, that was the in vogue thing to do. Do you think Kurt Cobain ever wanted people to tie a cardigan around their fucking neck? What's a cardigan? I'm assuming that's exactly what this guy has tied. I'm I'm starting to think that's why he fucking blew his brains out. <laughs> I thought it was Courtney Love. It was probably Courtney Love. <laughs> hey, Kurt. He probably took one look at that fucking disaster. She was so hot. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what band was she in? Uh, wasn't she in Hole? Hole, that's what yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Veruca Salt. Hole. Veruca yeah. Salt? What? <laughs> that was a band of Veruca Salt. What? Stop it. I swear to God. Keep talking. Fact I'm check that. Up. Uh, dude. Uh, hold, real quick, before we go off the rail. Here, ch- uh, cheers uh, to cheers. the assholes. Yeah, yeah. All right. I want to know what songs Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt. Hold on. She wasn't just the rich cunty kid from Mm-mm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, there was a band after her. I like to picture Veruca Salt, a reggae band. Eh, I'm the Veruca Salt. <laughs> Put it up there. This is a high high profile podcasting. You don't remember the song? No. It's neither black nor white. This, you don't remember this? No, this song bleeds nineties, dude. This is this is a product of thrash metal. Don't you hear like? Oh yeah, the it's chugging it's, riffs. It, it sounds is, like Megadeth. It's a little heavier than Metallica. <laughs> oh my god. Sounds like fucking. Th- this is what Megadeth came out with. This is Dave Mustaine singing. Right hey, after Countdown yeah. to Extinction. <laughs> fucking garbage. Stop it. Don't be mad. Anybody who listens to Megadeth, especially that particular album, probably wears sweaters around their neck. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, in my heyday of Megadeth fandom, I would be known to tie flannels around my waist. Flannel. Yeah. Which is acceptable. Thank Actually, you. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say it's acceptable. Flannel. Yes. That was before I got into the leather pants days. Can you repeat that? It was, Re- repeat that, because I think there's people out there who think maybe that they're, this, this podcast maybe like like the radio signal was fucked up with another one. I'm sorry, no, what did you no, wear? No, no, well, We're not on the radio, so I already know you're lying. But What did you wear? No, I was trying to give you an so, out that right. you didn't say that. All right, so there was a time. Okay. And I'm going to have to go through the whole thing now. Just say first what, you, what it was that you wore. Leather pants. Leather or pleather? Oh, pleather. I, come on. Okay. I was a high school kid. You wore pleather pants. Yeah, so uh, at the time, yes. Uh, I went through a few phases when I was in- Oh, that's a phaser, right? When I, when I was in high school, uh, I started out with straight up death metal. I had, I showed you the shirt. I had the, the cra- uh, Cannibal Corpse shirt, a couple of them, uh, Cradle of Filth. I had a couple of Deicide shirts, some Slayer shirts, mm-hmm. and I was the death metal guy. I had the chain wallet. That's how you knew I was a badass. Oh, of course. With the leather biker jacket with no motorcycle. Uh, and then I evolved into... Uh, so I, a, a classic costume, that's what I call it, a costume that you could see me wearing around school would be the leather pants with the, the boots with the buckles on the side. Lots of buckles, like an anime character. Uh, and a did they have, did your boots have studs on them and no, they like clicked like somebody can hear you walking down the hallway from like five hundred feet away? No, 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 no. That was my shirt. Uh, so I wear a black leather. Someone can hear your shirt from yeah, five hundred yeah, feet well, away. Well, it would have it was a black leather back shirt and the front of it was all enamel like, pins. No, no, um, almost like ring mail, like chain mail hanging like connected to the front of the shirt. Oh dear God! And I would wear green tinted sunglasses like Bono. I need pictures. I don't think I have any. Yeah, no, I'm sure your parents have pictures of this. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, we have to. Um, they have to go up on the Instagram. And then after that, uh, then I switched to just assless chaps. <laughs> yes, from the Blue Oyster Club. <laughs> uh, then I just switched to like regular clothes when I was going into college. I was done. It was too much maintenance, you know, too much maintenance. Uh, what were the rings on the fucking um, on the jacket? I don't get it. Oh, it was a shirt. So it was so picture like you a, wore like a cotton shirt. No, no, no. It was leather. So picture a leather T-shirt. Okay. Well, pleather. Oh, oh we're gonna put your music on while we're doing this. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Good song. Um, so you wore a, a a cotton shirt. I'm not gonna be able to concentrate with this awesome fucking thrash metal. So you wore a shirt with metal rings on it? Yeah, like chain mail. Is this bringing you back to high school? Yeah. Yeah. It brings me back to yesterday. This brings me back to the locker room the other day with some fucking douchebag singing a duet <laughs> with Dave Mustaine. It was fucking horrible. To become a god. <laughs> Watch me get carpal tunnel. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Carpal tunnel. <laughs> Just like the Pied Piper led rats through the streets, dance like marionettes, swaying to the symphony of Carpal Tunnel. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> the show has devolved <laughs> into what it should be. Yes. Good. Uh, 
yeah, speaking of which, let's get into some gameplay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Featuring yeah, yeah. no Megadeth or leather. Well, maybe leather pants. We'll maybe. see. You never know. We'll, 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 we'll be back drunker than what we <laughs> We'll see what Harrison gets up to if he ends up with leather chaps. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Why wouldn't we be conducting experiments here to determine if, in fact, this was what was used in order to scorch this this bark? I can answer that question. Alexanderson walks up. I'm glad to see you all well and well-equipped. Uh, Whitmore is a new charge of mine. Uh, this will be a good way to get his feet wet. Uh, gentlemen, understand this is a very strange scenario. Somebody dropped this. It was told to us that there was a loud bang. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you heard this bang. Oh, I heard it. Uh, you did hear it. I did? Yeah. People said it almost sounded like a cannon was firing. Also, near where we found this, a woman was found stabbed. And people near to where this woman's body was when the incident happened, uh, they claim that they felt almost a, a, a electricity in the air. Uh, understand that this is magic. We've read about this. We know about it. The magistrate and the justiciar agree that somebody perpetrated this. Now, we don't know why, but we can only assume that they came from the swamp. Now, nobody goes to the swamp. Nobody lives there, and we do not have a barracks there. It's a wildlands, and... As far as we write off, uh, it, it is of no concern. However, it appears that it is a concern. We believe there's a cult down in this camp. And we're sending you three for various reasons. Uh, Alvord is the best hunter in the village. He's going uh, to keep you two alive. Whitmore is young, eager, and ready to fight. He'll keep you safe. You, Mr. Bullet, we're hoping as you come across clues, Emperor willing, uh, you would be able to determine the origins of these items that you may or may not come across. Uh, we need your knowledge of alchemy. Now, we understand that you don't use these items, but you should be able to recognize them. You've certainly made enough reports of more ambiguous items uh, than this. So we're hoping that if anything stands out, something that maybe, according to your friend Maximo, you may have put in your pocket, maybe you'd recognize some of these things. Hmm. Now, if you do come across a bandit camp, we're not expecting you to throw your lives away. Simply observe and report. House Vogtrum is just north of the swamp, where you're expecting you to go there and to let them know what you found. But we're not prepared to send our men to die in the swamp. If it is too dangerous, I'm willing to lose three rather than an entire battalion. I'm sure you understand. No offense necessary. Understood. Very good. I'm glad we all understand each other. And again, Mr. Bullet, I know you want to go to the Imperium, and there's an estate waiting for you, and title. You'll never have to work again. In the meantime, as a show of goodwill, if you want, we can relocate your family there now. 
Oh, I'm not going to turn him down. Very good. We will make arrangements, and um, we will send uh, we'll send word to the house when you get there to let you know that everything worked out swimmingly okay. with your family. Do you have any questions? Do we have a contact in Hexley? Uh, you could just go to the Thunder Force uh, down in Hexley. This is a writ of conscript. Uh, it's been sealed by me. Do not open it. But uh, you have four of them. You hand these over to the appropriate authorities, and they are mandated to assist you in any way possible. Anyone who doesn't assist you, uh, certainly catalog their information and send that to us, and we'll deal with them. So we don't have Whitmore strike them down? I No. no okay. we're, we're, not, we're not bandits like you, Mr. Bullet. We follow laws. I follow some laws. <laughs> Only when it's convenient. When it's convenient. Okay, you got me. All right, so I guess I have all the information that I need. Okay, are we going to head out? I guess, yeah, let's head out. All right, Journey let's south. roll a couple of things. First, we're going to roll to see how the weather is going to be. Oh, man. Higher the better. Higher the better. Yeah, 20. 20. Okay, good. So no no real weather to worry about. Okay. Uh, so the heavens are cooperating. Uh, let's roll again to see how comfortable you are with the first... Are you, uh, what, looking at the map, what's your yes. plan? Um, well, you said it would take about, what, seven to eight days to get down to Hexley? Yep. So... So I would imagine day one would probably take us to Twin Fang Lakes, right? Day two would take us to the split that leads us leads us to the Skyforge Village. Day three is the main fork. Are you planning on stopping at any of the villages or any landmarks? Is there anything that you're planning on stopping at? I would imagine no, unless we're in need of supply. Um, but I would I would think that you know the three of us our mission has been clearly stated it's to go down there and, and take care of this issue so yeah I'm not I have no issues I haven't I have no plans on on stopping it okay so let's roll again to see how likely it is that you're going to get lost and you can roll with advantage oh my god <laughs> with advantage I rolled a seven okay all right and finally yes just um your overall luck, 120. 12. Okay. All right. So we are heading out. Uh, this will cover the first... If you're not planning on stopping anywhere in particular, uh, this will cover the first two days. Okay. So figuring you got just a little bit sidetracked, um, the first two days we will end at... Skyforge or the fork okay. to Skyforge Village. Do you have any interest in going to the village? Are we short on supplies? No, the weather's been fine these first two days. Okay, so I would imagine that we would uh, probably continue south. Okay, roll for weather. A fourteen. Okay, and uh, you're getting a little further south, so just roll a flat twenty for lost. A ten. All right, and luck. 
an eight. All right. This map is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Uh, So, as you are traveling your next two days, you come across two men standing in the road. Uh, They hold their hand out to stop you. There's a toll. A toll? There's a toll. Who are you? Toll collector. On behalf of who? The toll master. <laughs> I, um, I size these guys up. Like, wh- wh- what are they wearing? Uh, kind of ratty, mishmashed leather armor. They're like bandits. I mean, that's such a strong word. But, uh, yeah. Okay. They're kind of dirty. I would, um, I just kind of look over to Whitmore. Whitmore looks back at you. This fucking guy. Uh, I don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Get them out of our way. You're the muscle. <clears throat> uh, gentlemen, I represent the Thunder V Sanctorum. Get out of the way. The two bands look at each other and start snickering. One of them pulls out a light crossbow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Toll. Yeah, how much, how much is your toll? Johnny, how much is the toll? You guys are just not prepared. Ten ten pieces. Yeah, you're not getting shit. Roll initiative. God damn it, that was not the thing to say. Seven. All right. Uh, So, Alvord uh, does as Alvord does and just kind of slinks back into the saddle of his horse. He's not a fighter. He's a hunter. <laughs> oh, come on, guy. All right. Uh, Whitmore yes. looks to you because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. The trained fighter. Yeah, I'll, I'll handle it, guy. Go ahead. So he looks at me. Do, my... do we fight him? Dude, you see that this guy has a crossbow. Like, what do you think he's going to do with that? Use it to point us in the right direction as we walk past them? All right. I got you. You go first. What do we do? Oh, I'm up. Uh, so the order is going to be Bullet, Bandit 1, Bandit 2, Whitmore. Oh, man. Okay. I just kind of put my hands up. And I say, guys, we're not here for a fight. So Bandit 1 approaches you and pulls out a scimitar. Bandit 2 has his light crossbow as he's reloading it. So that's your action? Yeah, so I'm going to reserve my action. Okay. Uh, do you have an AC? What are you wearing? My travel clothes? Travel clothes. We'll call it 12. Well, I guess I'm unarmored, right? Yeah. So technically, isn't that 10? We'll call it 12. You're wearing thick fur. (laughs) And that's a miss. That's a four. Oh, man. Bandit 2 goes to fire at you since you stepped forward. That's an 11. We'll call that a miss. Thank God. Uh, Whitmore is up. Whitmore walks forward, draws his sword and hits bandit one with the scimitar and does seven damage you're up alright so I'm going to draw out my dagger what was that it looked like a fly oh okay Uh, I'm going to attack the bandit with the scimitar okay 18 
That will hit the bandit. What's a dagger do? 1d4? Yeah. It's like a death weapon. Foresight die. <laughs> fucking step on this thing. You lose so much It's blood. like a caltrop. Four damage. Uh, okay. The bandit is messed up. Bandit number one targets you. And misses again. Oh, thank God. Bandit number two fires his crossbow and <laughs> these guys suck. Oh, so lucky. Uh, Whitmore targets bandit one and misses. You're up. And Scimitar Bandit, he's still on his feet. Oh, yeah. He's just... He's, Barely. Okay. I'm attacking him. Okay. A 10. And you don't even have to roll for damage. Bandit 1 goes down. Oh, nice. Bandit 2 takes off running. Are you going to chase him? I'm going to throw my dagger at him like a fool. <laughs> okay. I don't know any better. I'm no fighter. Because also in my mind, I'm taking this dude's Scimitar. All right. Go so. ahead. A <laughs> 2. Uh, you... Throw your dagger, uh, but you don't lose it. A one would have been losing it. Okay. So you're going to, I guess, search this guy. Yes. All right. So you are going to be taking the scimitar. He has a simple animal trap, uh, herbivore bait, a small fishing rod. Okay. And uh, six gold. All right. So we are four days in. Uh, nobody took any damage, right? Nobody took damage. By the way, how much health do I have? As a non-class character right now. Uh, your health points should be uh, 1d8 per level plus constitution modifier. And first level, it's max, right? So I have 10 yeah. health. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now that puts us pretty much at the fork in the road with the... Uh, oh, I see. That major intersection leading to Skyforge Valley. Yes. With the bridge. So that's where we are at now. Continue? Absolutely. All right. So uh, anything you want to do while you camp? Uh, well, I assume while you're camping, Alvord goes out, hunts game to kind of preserve your salted food and your preserved food in right. an emergency. So you're always eating fresh game. Okay. Uh, he's a master hunter, so I'm not going to roll for that. I'm assuming, unless something goes horribly wrong where he's injured, He's be able to forage any kind of food that you would need or any water. Okay. So we don't have to worry about that. I see. I don't know if he needs it, but that animal trap, I offer it to him. Okay. Yeah, he'll take it. Okay. And even that herbivore beat. Yeah. So that'll, that'll help keep uh, fresh food coming. So we're going to continue on. Let's continue. All right. So we're about halfway to Hexley. Uh, so let's <laughs> go for the any, anywhere in particular you want to stop or planning on stopping. Um, I mean, if we're making good time, now that I have a fishing pole, I might want to stop at Lake Dodd and do a little fishing. Okay. So I figure Lake Dodd is about a day and a half. Okay. So let's just roll for that whole chunk. Uh, so let's do weather. 19. Oof. Man. So far, the weather's been beautiful. Yeah. Let's roll for uh, Werethal and getting lost. Six. Ugh. Not making it to the lake. Yeah, I would say it takes two days. So you're probably about, uh, in total now, about a day behind schedule. Okay. Uh, but again, Alvord hasn't been hurt. Nothing's been happening to him, so he's keeping the food coming. So right, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh, let's roll for luck. Nine. Okay. So uh, you find yourself at Lake Dodd. Uh, so it's been six days since you left. So it's now the 8th of Everton. 
Um, it's still fairly, fairly cold, uh, but the lake is not entirely frozen over. You can kind of move slush aside, uh, and you set up camp here. You gonna do some fishing? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do some fishing. I also did Alex Anderson tell us that we have a particular time frame? No. Okay. No. All right. So he's not expecting us back at a particular... Obviously, he wants us to make haste, I would imagine, but there wasn't anything in particular said, look, I want you back by the end of the month, within three weeks, nothing like that. Right. By this time, it's been uh, six days. Um, By this time, the emperor himself knows about what happened. Okay. Uh, So there are probably a lot of eyes on this operation. Probably by the time you get to Hexley, we're looking at, God willing, another day, maybe day and a half, right? before you walk into Hexley. By that point, most of the Thunder Force in the three houses will know what happened. Okay. Um, and Northridge most likely will be closed to anyone coming in. Uh, the port is probably going to be closed. Everything's going to be closed down okay. until... They figure out what's going on. So right. probably, as far as you know, by the time you get to the next major town or city, uh, people are going to be falling over themselves trying to help you. Oh, okay. Okay. And Northridge is pretty much under quarantine. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So we want to do some fishing? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do some fishing. All right. I would uh, imagine Lake Do- I mean, it, it seems like it's a fairly large lake. It must be... I, I, in my head, I'm picturing it being beautiful. Like there are these like rivers that come down out of the mountains. and feed into Very Bob Ross-ish. Oh, man. Yeah, like happy trees. Oh, this is good. Is there a cabin? He always paints a cabin. He does, yeah. With the negative space, with a knife. It's a (laughs) knife-made cabin. Um, You know, as you travel, Mm -hmm. uh, like on this map are only the major villages. So really, anything with a population of 500 or more, and both these villages, well, the ranch is is just a notable place because it's kind of a stopping ground before you get to Hexley to resupply. Okay. So that's really just a couple of families that came together to make this ranch. And then the uh, the Skyforge village has a population of about 500. So it, it, it has notable things. However, through these woods and on this major highway going down, you'll always come across just a random inn. Um, you'll maybe see random fishing or hunting houses, uh, homesteads. Oh, I completely missed it. These are, this is forested. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. I got it. All right, now I understand. So, um, like I said, homesteads, you'll find random buildings. Uh, There's also other people on this. This is a major highway. Right. Um, As the days go on, less and less people are traveling north. But you're by no means alone in the wilderness. But there are little paths that you could find that kind of crisscross through the woods. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I guess we, uh, we set up camp at the lake. And just to pass the time. I guess, uh, you know, I'll do some fishing. All right, give me a survival check. Uh, wisdom. Thirteen. All right, yeah. You catch uh, you catch some fairly basic fish. Nothing, okay. nothing crazy. Hmm. Uh, how long would you fish for? Like all day? Nah, maybe a couple of hours. All right, so just kind of relaxing on your trip. Yeah, just to maybe, you know, just kind of disconnect from the mission, you know, kind of get myself rooted back in reality. And then as soon as I'm done, catch a couple of fish, we cook them up, and then if it's late, you know, we set up camp and go to sleep. And if I'm doing it in the morning, then I Yeah, I picture, like, you get there just, like, late afternoon, early evening. Right. 
Um, so a little bit of early evening fishing. Yeah. And then uh, that's it. You're going to call it a night? Yeah, yeah. Okay. As you fall asleep, you hear your voice uh, talking to you. I'm sorry. You hear your voice talking to you. Okay. And you sit up from your camp and you see you looking back at you. Is there too much mercury in this fish? No, no, no. You're just you're having a dream. Oh, okay. And uh, in this dream, you can hear your voice, but you're not really making any sense. But you get the distinct feeling that it's asking you to come closer. I'm going to lean in. You wake up. Interesting. Continue. We're about a day and a half to Hexley. Yeah, and I would imagine that day and a half, I'm very puzzled as to what happened the night before. That's funny you say that. Whitmore, putting his armor on. Can I talk to you? Sure thing, Whitmore. I had a dream last night. What was this dream about? It looked like I was looking in a mirror, and I was babbling, and it asked me to come closer. What did you do? Well, I I got up, and I started walking towards myself, and I said, closer, and closer, then I woke up. Alvord, while settling up the horses, yeah, it's funny, I I had the same dream. And what did you do? Same thing, I just kind of leaned in closer, and then I woke up. That's so strange. I think you two should probably not speak about this to anybody. They might think that you're crazy. Magic. (laughs) No, I don't say that. Is Um, this magic? I don't know, because it's all three of us that had that dream. No way. They'll they'll burn us alive. We can't tell anybody. Don't, don't, Don't tell anybody. Do I know of anything in particular about this lake? Like, is this something that maybe in some, like, folklore I've heard of, like, weird shit happening at the lake? Uh, give me a history check. Intelligence. A one. You know it is a bowl of water. <laughs> 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 All right. Very good. <laughs> well, With a one, you actually <laughs> forgot other stuff that you knew. <laughs> you were thinking so hard. I forgot that the the things that I caught the night before were actually called fish. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with Whitmore then, based on that role, that this is something that, uh, yeah, stays here. We never speak of this again. Don't burn us. And that's why we're never going to mention it again. Harrison, don't tell anybody. Well, you keep repeating it. Keep your mouth shut, Whitmore. Let's continue. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Finish putting your armor on. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling with the way this is happening, like, you're going to need it today. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Uh, so Whitmore very nervously puts his armor on. Uh, we're going to continue to Hexley? Yes. All right. Uh, let's roll weather. Oh, my God. A fucking three. <laughs> All right. Let's roll getting lost with disadvantage. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. A one. <laughs> I rolled a one and a two. <laughs> and oh, let's, oh man. let's roll luck. Oh, my God. Just one? Yeah. 13. 
Okay. So, as you're saddling up, Alvord slaps you on the back. There's something brewing up there. Look. As you look to the south, you can see clouds darkening. What do you want to do? Based on the clouds, can I tell like the severity of the storm? Give me a survival check. An eight. Nah. Just looks like a typical rainstorm. A snowstorm, yeah. Oh, a snowstorm. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't look anything out of the ordinary. Stuff that we haven't experienced up in Northridge. So I guess let's continue to head south until it becomes too bad and we can kind of set up camp off the uh, off the side of the road. As uh, probably about an hour in, the snowflakes start falling. Okay. An hour after that, they start falling harder. Now the wind is blowing. Within three hours, you are in a full-blown blizzard. I'm screaming at this point for Alvord. <laughs> Alvord! Uh, it is bad. You can You can barely see maybe 10 feet in front of you. Shit. And the snow is falling. The accumulation is so bad that the road is disappearing in front of your very eyes. By the end of the day... Wait, at, at this point, the three hours in, since it's getting so bad, can I recall anywhere along the path that we've been traveling? Like, did we pass an inn or maybe some sort of homestead or maybe like a uh, like a ranch that's been deserted? Most, you got a 13 on your luck. Um. Yes. Yes. I got. Okay. Yeah. You find a. You find a couple of abandoned buildings. Okay. Like hunting cabins and such. Okay. So I say we make an attempt to backtrack to a cabin. Okay. Yeah. That. That. Because you can see the tracks behind you. Uh. And yeah. You. You hole up in a cabin. And you're gonna wait out the storm. Yes. So the storm clears. Uh, the next day is a little better. Um. Most of the stuff that fell is kind of starting to melt away, and to your surprise you are nowhere near the main road. Where the fuck are we? We're just like in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And I can imagine we have no idea what direction we went into the woods. Right. God damn it. All right. Well, I guess at this point, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on Alvord and I'm going to say, Hey, look, Alvord, we're, we're lost, my man. So Alvord is going to, okay, listen, everyone stay calm. All we got to do is figure out which way is north. Okay. And that should be fairly easy. Um, we have to check and see if we can figure out which way the sun is rising. That'll tell us which way right. uh, east and west are. So give me uh, a survival check with advantage. Oh, my God. I dropped a one to get a 19. Okay. So you figure out which way north is. And you can tell by where the mountains are in the distance. You can find your way back to the highway fairly easily. However, you slept in a rundown cabin. Uh, so you all have taken one level of exhaustion Okay. throughout this. But you found your way back to the main road. You're still about a day away from Hexley. Okay. But the path is cleared of snow. Or More it's or still, less. you okay. can tell where the main road is. Okay. All right. Well, I would imagine I would put on whatever uh, outfit I have that was appropriate for the weather, and uh, we make our way back out to the main road, and I guess we continue heading south. All right. No dreams that night. No. Okay. By the end of the day, uh, you roll into Hexley. Uh, the sun is just going down. Hexley is, whereas Northridge is 
almost a city, but still a town. Hexley just became a city and is no longer a town. Okay. So it's slightly bigger, uh, and it's built into the side of the mountains. So oh, it nice. really uses the mountains as like a um, a strategic advantage. God forbid there's ever a battle. Uh, most of the buildings are stone, whereas Northridge, most of the buildings are wood. These buildings are much larger, not necessarily taller, but much wider. All right. Um, I guess the obvious question, are you going into the city? Absolutely. Okay. So it's a dull-looking city. So it's stone walls. How big are these walls? Um, the, the perimeter walls? Mm-hmm. They're tall. Um, 20 feet? Uh, I would say closer to 50. Oh, wow. Um, they okay. have uh, batteries on uh, all of the gates. There's three main gates leading into the city. There's a northern gate, uh, a western gate, and a southern gate. And where those gates are are gigantic batteries. Okay. Um, if you didn't know any better, you would say it was a, a fortress for battle. Uh, if you want, you can give me a history check. I'll see how much oh, you know idea. about this. Great idea. First roll of the episode. 15. All right. Hexley is known to produce scholars. As it has a large emphasis on education, it is said that one in five philosophers or professors come from Hexley. In contrast to this, Hexley also has a reputation of swift and harsh punishment. The leader of Hexley is Baroness Annabelle Lewis. She rules Hexley with an iron fist. Nicknamed Bloody Bell, Lewis rules Hexley as the city's sole matriarch. Annabelle Lewis began her political career as an imperial justiciar. Roughly 15 years ago, the magistrate ordered the miners to dig deeper into the salt mines, which resulted in a cave-in that resulted in 30 miners dying. After the tragedy, Annabelle started a coup and had the magistrate hanged. Being a relative of the imperial family, the Baroness was awarded complete control of the city. Uh, it's interesting to note that aside from the emperor himself, Annabelle Lewis is the only sole ruler within the entire Imperium. Wow. So that's what you would know uh, about Hexley. Again, it's it's all stone. You know, Northridge has some stone buildings, but lots of wooden buildings. Think of like a ski lodge or like uh, Aspen, right? Aspen is a great, if you can picture Aspen in your mind or Switzerland. Right. Um, or near the Alps, the Swiss Alps. That's kind of what Northridge is like. This is very much almost as if the mountain itself grew a city outside of it. A great example would be that city from Skyrim, Markarth. The one that's it's very vertical, lots of stairs, okay. and it's built into the mountain. Uh, they used to be big on salt mining, but the salt eventually dried up, which is why the original magistrate had them dig deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually all the miners died. Okay. And that's how Annabelle Lewis seized control of the city. So you said that there were three entrances to the city. Yeah, a northern gate, a western gate, and a southern gate. So now on the eastern side, is that all mountain? Like, they never yes. had an exit because right. of the mountains, so it's right. built out of the mountains. Okay. So when you say it's kind of boring and drab, like gray stone on the outside, like very similar to like what the, the Vatican walls look like? Yeah. How it's just like solid, almost like, um, obviously the Vatican walls look more concrete, right? As opposed to stone? I guess, of, yeah. But kind of the same right. it, scenario. You know, the oppressiveness of Hexley fits in with, with the way it looks. Everyone really gets along in Hexley because the Thunder Force is bad. The Baroness is even worse. Okay. There is, it's almost as if she sucked fun and color out of the city. So she rules out of fear. Yes. I can respect that. Uh, I don't agree with it, but 
Yeah, I can respect that. Harrison, every single time he comes to Hexley, and I, I guess he's been here quite a few times. Yeah, let me send you the map. He would kind of enjoy coming here as escape, as an escape from Northridge. And I think he's just kind of like overtaken by the um, the industrialization, like the 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 um, like the the birth of a city. Yeah. Kind of what Northridge is on the brink of, but hasn't made it there yet. It's funny because Hexley isn't really known for its fun yet. There's more stuff to do in Hexley. Number one, it's bigger. Right. Uh, and number two, Northridge is so important to the Imperium that it is all business all the time. So there's there's pros and cons to that. The pros being that the Thunder Force, while they're there in Northridge, they're kind of... It's kind of on the honor system. So they're a little more laxed. Right. Um... Which allows me to operate kind of within a gray yeah. area. And why they know about it and kind of just let you do it. Okay. Hexley is very authoritarian. So they rule with an iron fist. Right. So they'll, they'll allow you a little leeway in your activities within the city. But if they find out that you're up to no good, they take hard yes. action. In most cities in the Imperium, uh, the magistrate is kind of like the executive branch. Okay. And the justiciar is like the legislative branch, and the Thunder Force enforces everything. So the magistrate, there may be a problem in the city, and the magistrate comes to his decision. They usually work hand-in-hand hand with the justiciar. Okay. They come to a decision, and if they can't come to a decision, then the captain of the Thunder Force will be the tiebreaker. In this city, there is only Annabelle. Okay. And the Thunder Force follows her with extreme prejudice. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Most of the Imperium has gotten away. There are still executions, and there are still public executions. But in most of the Imperium, where people are hanged or burned at the stake, very classical uh, executions, Hexley is not opposed to drawn quarter people. They're not afraid to boil people alive. Why don't I live here? Um <laughs> <laughs> so, but the plus side is it takes a little more than just a blind accusation in Hexley. So, so there is no point the finger, name a name to the Thunder Force, and they disappear. Right. There's more of a, uh, almost like a trial. Yeah, because Annabelle is such a micromanager. Okay. You know, she, she wants her fingers in every pie. Cool. So are we going in? Of course. All yeah, right. Yeah. So again, it's, um, it's the evening time. Uh... What do you think you're going to do first? Gamble. You're going to gamble? Yeah, every time Harrison comes to Hexley, that, that's one of his vices. Okay, so you have a couple choices. Uh, most of the gambling is going to be done inside of a tavern. So how much money are you looking to drop? Like, are you going like high roller or are you going no, with, I would with the common rabble? Yeah, of course. Because, again, he's operating within the shadows with the way... You know, like the style of his life is. Okay. When you gamble, are you looking to drink? Come on. Okay. So you have... Do they have bullet bourbon there? Uh, not until you create it. You know what? Fuck this mission. I go back to Northridge. I open a <laughs> distillery. <laughs> uh, so your two choices are for cheaper options. Uh, the Smooth Balloon Saloon. <laughs> okay. And the Three Bears Tavern. I'm going to the Smooth Balloon. 
I knew you were going to say yeah. that. Hell yeah. All right. So the Smooth Balloon is a little bit of a walk from the Northern Gate. If you were to go into the city, is this a place you think you probably have? Is this like your spot when you come here? Yeah, because again, you know, like with the contacts that I have, um, this is something that Harrison would, I think, do every single time he comes to uh, to Hexley. Just maybe not so much to gamble for the thrill of gambling, even though that has something to do with it. But I would think more so just kind of like keeping his pulse on what's going on because he feels like this is like where the, the rabble would be hanging out. Okay. And, um, you know, maybe he has a contact. I was going to say meet old friends, make new ones kind exactly. of a thing. Exactly. All right. So um, Smooth Balloon is near the lower plaza, uh, almost on the border of uh, Slackrin Hills, which is kind of like the slummier area where the less fortunate tend to live. So it's uh, it's about three quarters of the way south through the city. Okay. Uh, would you like to do anything on the way, or is that like priority number one? I would think <clears throat> if if this is going to be a common place that I tend to go to when I come to Hexley, I would I would view this almost as an opportunity to to maybe take like a night and relax with Alvord and my buddy Whitmore. So yeah, I, I would go straight there. Okay, so I mean maybe taking the sights along the uh, along the way, see if there's any kind of you know like market shit going on. But again, if it's late at night, I'm thinking yeah, right to the uh, right to the end. Okay, so you're gonna go straight there. Straight there. All right. So uh, Alvord has been to Hexley. Uh, Alvord's been pretty much everywhere within House of Vogdrum. Uh Whitmore has not. The only place Alvord hasn't been is in a battle. That fucking prick <laughs> slinking into a saddle. Uh, do you think you would bring that up at any point? Oh, fuck yes. I'm going to have a couple of drinks, and I'm going to call him out. All right. And I'm going to call Whitmore out. Let's, bullshit. let's get to the smooth balloon. Uh, there's going to be some fighting in this episode. Do you think you would know the owner-operator of the smooth balloon? Mm, I view this as I would be a familiar face maybe once every, every few months. So to know the owner, probably not. Maybe, you know, uh, the bartender recognizes me and knows what I'm going to drink. Okay. So when you walk in, uh, the smooth balloon is a, a dive. Uh, out of the smooth balloon and the three bears tavern, it is the worst of the two, uh, which makes sense because it's more in the slummy area. Right. Uh, I'm talking sawdust covered floors. Uh, maybe a few tables, if you're lucky, and those tables, the legs aren't exactly the same length, so all the tables are kind of wobbly. Okay, so it's along. like an old Italian grocery store. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, the, the, the tables are old and wobbly, along with most of the patrons inside. <laughs> uh, when you walk in, your old friend Mombert is there. Oh, I love Mombert. Mombert is a dwarf. Uh, he's got blonde hair, and it's kind of blown back. Almost, He almost looks like a lion, like a short, fat lion. Uh, where's the typical apron and if there's one thing Mombert does not like to do it is to clean the dirty dish uh, the dirty glasses so you're probably drinking out of you know I'll take a milk in a dirty glass mm. that won't be a problem here good in uh, in Hexley so uh, you walk in and of course he sees you and recognizes you and says Harrison what's going on uh, a nice warm embrace with, with Mombert he brought some friends with you tonight. What can I get you to drink? I'll take three of the usual, which I would imagine would be some kind of like heavy mead. Okay. Uh, he pours three heavy meads in questionable glasses. Mm. Uh, Alvord quizzically kind of just stares at the glasses. Whitmore has no clue what's going on. He's just happy to be there. 
So he raises his glass for a toast. Who does? Mombert or Whitmore? Whitmore. <laughs> Fucking, I can't stand this guy. I just, I look at him with just, just like dead eye look. So, he, but I kind of half raise my glass because I'm so curious to hear what comes out of his fucking mouth. To journey, and he smacks your glass, and I guess you're probably not ready for it because you're kind of just half-heartedly mm. holding it up. And I would say a good two, three gulps of your mead just kind of spills onto the bar. Um, Mombert looks at the spill and does nothing about it. What brings you into Hexley tonight? Mombert asks you. Mm. Oh, man, how do I approach this? Because obviously I'm not telling this guy why I'm here. <clears throat> um, all right, so I look at Mombert. I, I kind of ignore the idea or the fact that I'm with these other two. You know? <laughs> okay, so, so Whitmore gives you the toast. Yeah, spills I totally, your drink. I blow him off. And uh, nothing. I blow him off. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. I mean, obviously, it's clear that, that I'm in here with the two of them, but I'm just going to have a normal conversation with Mom. I'm not even going to introduce them to Mombert. All right, so... I would say Alvord kind of gets the hint and does that thing where when your buddy starts talking to somebody at the bar, you just kind of pretend like you meant to go over to the dartboard. Mm. That awkward moment where, oh, uh, mm. and so he just kind of starts wandering around looking at the complete barren walls, wondering why there's no decorations at all, wondering why the guy who owns this place just doesn't give a fuck. Mm. Uh, Whitmore, heck of a journey. And just slams his glass down, saddles up right next to you. Just really can't let the journey go. Loves the journey. He's all about the journey. It's his first one. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell by our first encounter. Um, whatever. Again, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to pay him no mind. I am, however, going to try to get Whitmore fucking wasted. Wasted. Because part of me wants to just leave him in this fucking city. I, I'm not going to do No, I might do it. I have no idea. Okay. So, uh... Yeah, so I just... Uh, so yeah, Mombert asks you, you know, well, what, what brings you to Hexley today? So usual business. Just, I happen to be with these two. Oh, very good. Is anything new and exciting going on in Hexley? Uh, not normal crap that usually mm. happens around here. Uh, you know, nobody tells me nothing, and they know why. Uh, I got the loose lips. They, they, don't, they don't like me too much around here. You know that. I get myself into trouble quite often. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bloody Bell is still Bloody Bell. Um, the only thing is uh, the tavern up the, up the block, um, the colorful duck, have been having some problems. Uh, the Thunder Force has just been crawling all over that place. I don't know why Hartman's a nice guy. I, I, don't, I don't know why they're bothering him. Um, and obviously, he's not going to tell me. So, other than that, nothing really, nothing to report. Mm. Haven't seen the boys in a while, but it's the holiday season. Everyone's probably with their family. Is it safe to assume that in my travels here, Mombort with his loose lips has given me information that's proved to be a little lucrative, that maybe I've, I've thrown him a little bit of a kickback? Um, yeah, but the problem with him is it's all over the place. There is no confirming. There's no filter. There's He hears something and he tells everybody. So you could like break in his balls, go in and be like, oh, did you hear there's a huge hole in the middle of the city? And he would say, oh, and look to the guy right next to him and be like, hey, did you hear there's a huge hole in the city? Even like right in front of me. Yeah. All right. So then I guess I can... This isn't a guy like a... a so obviously, he's not a solid contact for any sort of information that's going on in, uh, in Hexley for me. 
He's more of a like a gossip queen. Right. Okay. And that's the only new uh, piece of information. Because, again, I, I would think at this point, it's probably been months since I've traveled down to, uh, to Hexley. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I would enjoy my drink. I would just kind of keep an eye on, on Whitmore. Okay. Are you, like, drinking or are you... No, no, no. I'm not going to get... Wh- I just, I, I think it was probably a good idea just to stop in here, have a drink, a couple of drinks. Okay. Not to get fucking hammered, but I, I just want to kind of keep my ears open, see what people are talking about. Um, see if there's any any gossip about the swamps or any kind of activity. Are you going to ask him? Uh, I guess at some point, maybe I'll loosen up a little bit, have a few, hear what's going on in the uh, hear what's going on in the inn, and then eventually I'll I'll probably bring it up to him. Yeah, not I mean, what our journey is, right? Unless fucking retard next to me opens up his mouth and says something because he no, gets wasted. I mean he he understands that we're not really going to talk about what's going on because really. The, the Imperial Capital is really the only place that knows what happened in Northridge. Okay. Um, and word hasn't trickled down here yet. If it has, he hasn't mentioned it. Right. Um, it might be something of an embarrassment. Like, they're not really letting anyone out of the city. Of Northridge. Right. So if there was any news, and it would be behind you anyway because you left ahead of it, the right. only news that would come after you left would be, hey, Northridge is closed. Nobody would know why. Okay. So, yeah, no news like that would be coming your way. Right, and I would think being that he didn't ask anything about it, knowing that I'm from there, that it's safe to assume that obviously nobody uh, in this tavern knows anything about that. Right. So th- this might just be a uh, a quick little stop. And I'll ask him where the local game is. You know, I'm looking to, to drop some money, see if I can make some money. Uh, with tips. gambling? Yeah, of Yeah, course. we do it here. Oh, so I would have known that, so I yeah. wouldn't have asked him. Right. Okay. Are they playing? Like, is it something that I look around and, and see? Is there like a yeah, game there's, taking there's place in a people bar? playing cards. Okay, so I pound that drink that I have. I order another one. I order Whitmore another one. Are you going to try and get Whitmore? Yeah, I'm going to get him fucking smashed. All right. Uh, roll a persuasion. 15. Okay. I'm going to see how... This is going to blow up in my fucking face. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to roll... Trying to keep this fairly. I'm going to roll a 12 and see how many beers throughout the course of the night you're going to have Whitmore drink. Okay. You know what? I'm going to roll a 12 and I'm going to see how many I have myself. Whitmore is having eight drinks. I'm having three. Okay. And now I'm going to roll a 20 to see how drunk he gets. Mm. The lower, the more drunk. And that's a 20. Whitmore's a stout fella. Well, he's a big boy, isn't he? He is. He is. All right, so my plan backfires. Whatever. So I'll work up my little buzz, and uh, I don't know. I'm going to go play a little three-card Monty. All right, so the game that's typically played in Hexley is Fittich. I'm not playing three-card Monty. No. Fittich. F-I-D-D. Like Glenn Fittich? Yeah. Well, we could go with that. Uh, And Fittich is kind of... Have you ever played... um, I guess bullshit. Yes. Okay. So it's it's similar to bullshit. They don't really have cards like we have. They have their cards are mostly pictorial. Uh, a lot of people aren't able to do math, read that kind of thing, so they use pictures. So basically, the gist is everyone has two cards in their hand, and the images are uh, your basic animals. You have an eagle, a bear, a deer, and a fish. So those are the pictures that are on the cards. 
And when you have your two cards, you put it face down on the table, and you say what the card is. And the other people at the table either call bullshit on it, or they agree. And everyone throws one bet into the table. So obviously, if, if, if you call bullshit and it's not bullshit, you lose your bet and it goes to the guy who put the card down. Okay. So you're going to sit down with uh, three other guys. <clears throat> and uh, I guess you're going to ask to get dealed in. I would... Um, before I sit down, I think at this point I'm going to try to like regroup with, uh, with Alvord. Okay. With, with, along with Whitmore. Because um, I, I think it's only fair. You know, we're in this town. Uh, we obviously have this, this mission that we have to deal with, but... You know, to take one night and maybe just relax and enjoy ourselves. Um, what finer, better way to do it than some drinks and a okay. little, little fun so again? So, I guess, do you want to set up where you'll meet for as far as, like, sleeping arrangements goes? Well, I was thinking more, like, teach them the game if oh, they okay. haven't played before and see if they're interested. Because ultimately, what I want to do is take all the money that Whitmore has in his satchel. Okay. Uh, so, Alford is... I don't know why this guy <laughs> fucking rubs me the wrong way. But I just want to test the waters with him because obviously I, I I can see that I haven't been able to get him drunk right because he's a monster. Um, so let, let's see if uh, let's right. see what sort of inhibitions he has. Um, so Alvord is going to kind of look a little melancholy and say, um, you know, it, actually, if it's okay with you, um, I'd like to maybe just go and spend some time at the temple. Um, you know, I, I lost my wife in this and uh, haven't really had much time to kind of just think about it. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to, I'm just going to head out to the temple. Okay. Um, would you join me in one drink to toast your wife? Yeah, thank you. That That's nice of you. Okay. So, you know, I'll order two more. Okay. Um, would I have known his wife? No, I don't think so. Because okay. he didn't really, you guys didn't really seem to know each other. He knows of you because you're right. the senior portmaster. So like, everyone, and I'm sure I know of him being the, right. Uh, the head it's one of those things like you might know the guy's name, but you might not know what he looks like. Okay, like a state assemblyman. Right. You right. know that this is your state assemblyman, but if he, if he was walking down in the mall, right, you would have no idea. It makes sense. Uh, so just these drinks that you gave to Whitmore. Yes. You bought them. Yeah, yeah. I'll 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 cover the cost. Okay. So. So you had eight, I had three, this will be four, that's five. Um, so that's 13 total. Okay, so you're down one gold per beer, so you're down to 13. Okay. Alvord kind of, is uh, Whitmore going to do this toast with you or no? All right, but yeah, I'll get one with him too. So I'm done. So all three of you? Yeah, 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 we'll do okay. all three. Um, so he, he thanks you. Um, he sees what you're doing with Whitmore. And he kind of finds it humorous, so he he'll slip you four gold. He'll pay for half of Whitmore's drinks. Oh, this guy, I like this guy. Um, and then I guess he would just ask you, where do you want to meet up? So, do you want a list of the inns that are available? Uh, yes, we'll do that. But then I'm also going to check with him and find out like what his um, you know, if he has any business that that he feels he needs to take care of in town. In um, the morning, he might go. Um, just resupply on like bait, right? Uh, trapping materials, maybe restring his bow if he needs to. That that kind of thing. 
and housekeeping how, type how does stuff. he feel as far as like time frame as far as time that we're making versus like in his mind how long he feels as though we should be taking to uh to head down to the swamp like are we ahead of schedule or are we behind so, schedule right. um so alvord kind of looks up at the at the ceiling almost as if he was looking at like the sun to try and gauge time you know uh none of us really want to be here um I don't really want to. Do you say that? No, no, no. Okay. I don't really feel like being in Northridge for a little while. Um, You know, it it seems like the Thunder Force is asking us to do this correctly, not quickly. Um, I think we're okay. Does he know about your family situation? Would you have told him that on the road? No. Okay. Um, I, I would be okay with maybe spending a couple days here. Okay. Uh, just make sure we have everything we need because once we get House Vogtrim doesn't, it's not a town. It's it's the castle of the house. So this is really, there's a couple of small villages, but this is this is going to be it. Um, so I think I, not only to stay longer and kind of just prolong having to go back to Northridge, um, make really make sure that we have everything we need. Understood. And in addition to provisions, I want to see as far as inf- like things that we need, if we can even gather some information. Yeah, so, you probably have a few friends here, right? Right. Yeah, so I'm going to work. I, I explained to Alvord. Um, you know, I'm going to, over the course of the next day or so, if we plan to stay here that long, um, I want to get in touch with a few contacts that, that I have in this uh, in this city and see if, if maybe they've heard of or know of anything that's been taking place uh, down in the swamp that hopefully will prepare us before we head down there because I really don't want to go into this situation blind. Okay. And I feel that's... Uh, Alvor, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like this is, this is a suicide mission. We're heading into the swamp. There's three of us. You saw how that battle went. It wasn't even a battle. It was a minor skirmish with two bandits and the muscle that we have with us. It, it doesn't even know what to do. You know what? Um, the next time something happens... Um I'm in. That uh, my head's not with it right now. Right. Um, and the whole time, I could have easily taken one of those guys out. Look, and I, I just, you know, you're 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 going through hard times right now. Um, I just want you to know next time, next time I'm in. Okay. Because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to lean on you. Fighting bandits and whatever lurks in that swamp is is not my strength. You know, relying on my contacts to gather information to hopefully help us in this journey. You know, that, that's that's really where I'm looking to to help out the group. Um, well, you know what? While we're on the road, because um, I feel like I need to make it up to you. So while we're on the road, I'll I'll, I'll teach you some stuff. I'll show you how to hunt. Um, you know, I I'll, I'll show you at least with standard animals. I'll show you where their weak spots are make it a little easier to go hunting uh, and maybe it'd be a little fun having two of us out there okay i would appreciate that um we have four writs of conscript i haven't opened these um i would i would assume that they are what what uh the captain said they were do you want me to use one because i don't see us using four before we get to the swamp and i don't think anyone lives in the swamp at least anyone that cares about law do you want me to use one to get us free room and board yeah that actually sounds like a good idea albert okay um so where should I go? Um, what were the inns again? All right. So here are the inns. 
there's one bar that has beds in it. But if you're getting it for free, I guess you'd probably want to go to a nicer place. Correct. Okay. So the nicest place that you can go is the Hexley. Uh, shortly behind that is the Royal Cloud. Those are the two nicest uh, inns okay. in the city. Uh, I would... Um and these are places that, again, through my, my travels, I would, I would obviously know right. about. Okay, so uh, I look to Alvred, and uh, I say, might I suggest the Royal Cloud? Okay. I think the Hexley would be nice to stay at, but again, I don't want to draw attention to us traveling from Northridge as a group, you know, given this mission by the Thunder Force, and the next thing you know, they find out that we're staying. The most extravagant right. of inns. So let's try to take the heat off of us. Um, or okay. Prevent any heat from falling upon us. Let's head over there. Or if you wouldn't mind, head over there. See if you can secure, you know, three rooms or as many rooms as you can for the three of us. Yeah. Um, as luck would have it, the Royal Cloud is actually just a stone's throw from the temple, which is in the upper plaza. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll clank glasses with him. If he would want, I'd, I'd give a you know a, a generic kind of toast to a to a fallen hero kind of a thing for his wife, you know, just out of respect, um, not a stay positive test. Hey, Harrison, <laughs> you know I, I, I'm going to fight too. <sighs> Cheers to the journey. To the journey, I say it just like that too. I'm just so broken by this guy. Already. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, to the journey. And I, I clank his glass. And I look at Alfred, you know, and I say, take as much time as you need. It's the 8th. Um, let's, let's regroup by sunrise on the 10th. That way, you know, so try to book the, uh, the inn for two nights. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, if I give them this, they'll just let us do whatever we want. So. Okay. Well, um, then I think for our own good, let, let's, let's enjoy... We're trying to gather whatever we need over the course of tomorrow. And then by sunbreak on the 10th, let's, uh, let's head south. Okay. How long is the journey from Hexley to Vogstrom? To the actual swamp or to the next well, to, checkpoint? To the checkpoint, which I would imagine is what, the fort? Yeah, that would be roughly another 10 days. And then the swamp is about f- four or five days past that. All right, so minimum we're looking... You're about one-third of the way altogether. Okay. All right, so we'll do that. We'll head out on the uh, the morning of the tenth. Okay, as long as nothing comes up. All right, so you clank glasses, and uh, he just lets you know that he'll be at the inn uh, when you guys are done. Okay, what was the name of the inn again? The Royal. The Royal Cloud. Cloud. And that was up in Upper Hexley, uh, up Upper Plaza, right? Yes, right, right next to the temple. Now he's not staying at the temple. He's going to stay at the inn with us. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some fittage. All right. Uh, are you inviting Whitmore to play? But first, I need another drink. Yeah, I do too. Let's put Barkeep. <laughs> oh, hold on. Thank you. Yeah. Let me hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. That's that. Listen to this. Ah, oh, that sounds so nice. 
Now, can you play a little song in the bottle of the bo- uh, in the neck of the bottle? Wait a minute. Yeah. It's like you're there. For you. Thank you. Dude, even like like four or five feet away from the microphones, these yeah. glasses. If these glasses were made of weaker things, we would have shattered them already. Yes. Luckily, they're twelve pounds a piece. All right. Um, so, uh, Whitmore is going to play with you. It, it, that's he has his own mind. If he decides that he wants to play, yes, I would. I would encourage him to play. Yeah, he would. Uh, I, I've never played this game before. Good I, for uh, the journey. You ex- <laughs> sit down, <laughs> you explain, and I'm going to explain the game to Whitmore. Are you going to explain it truthfully? Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll explain it truthfully. I'm. I'm relying. I'm hoping that his high constitution. Is is um, not a reflection of his intelligence. Not that I'm very intelligent. I right. fucking hate intelligence. But I'm hoping that this guy just cannot pick up the game. Okay. Uh, so you guys sit down with two other fellows. Excellent. Uh, and we have, uh, they introduce themselves, uh, two humans, Hilger and Aldo. So they're, uh, they're going to deal you in. And uh, Aldo is going to lean up forward and say, all right, uh, all right, it's going to be five gold to buy in. All right, I'm in. Um, Harrison. I'm not covering you, my man. I am not covering you. I only got four gold. Okay. It's, it's okay, guys. He, he, he took gold off of a bandit. God, this guy is such a fucking dummy. Part of me wants to take my dagger out and just kind of, <laughs> just kind of put it in his side and tell him if you fucking open up. Yeah, actually, I am gonna do that. Uh, actually, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not gonna take my dagger out. I'm just gonna kind of like yeah, what, 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 call him over, yeah, yeah. you know, by using my hands to like just draw him in. Oh yeah, and you, you got that extra gold for me? No, but I have a, uh, I have a piece of advice for you. They're going to cheat. No. Oh. You're going to keep your mouth shut. Okay. okay. Oh, that's right. We don't talk about it. No. Well. I thought that was just the dream. We weren't supposed to talk about it. Now you're talking about it. Sorry. Again. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> just do me a favor. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, and, and I bring him back in. Sorry. Yeah. I said, listen, one more outburst from you and you're leaving. Oh, okay. Do you understand? Yes. Do you see anybody here acting like you? Do you hear anybody here like... Like talking out a turn. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm new with this. I'm about to go prison rules and pull my pocket out and make him hold it. <laughs> just turn him into my bitch in this end. <laughs> I said, keep your mouth shut, learn the game, and see if you know we can make some money. Okay. So I I, I move away from him and I say, gentlemen, um, you know, I haven't been to this town in, in quite some time. Can we start three gold? Let's do three gold buy-in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You gotta play for a while, right? Of course, I'm all not right. looking to go the anywhere. The sun just went down. I'm uh, listen. If you're going to start playing these games, I want all night. Who is saying this? Uh, Aldo. Where is he sitting in relation to me at the table? Like, see across from me, or to? Uh, t- so the the table's kind of big, so it's not like you're touching elbows. But I would say he is to your right. Okay, but it's a square table. Yeah. And where is fucking Dum Dum? <laughs> to your left. 
I, I was going to say settled up right next to you, so your hips are touching. <laughs> what was the name of the other guy? Hilger. Hilger. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, we're not looking to go anywhere. We're going to okay. enjoy some, some, right. some good mead. I hold up my glass. Cheers. I fucking clank glasses with him. All right, so... Uh, all right, uh, Hilger's up. So Hilger's holding two cards. And he puts one card face down on the table. Bear. And what were these? They were eagle, bear, fish, and what was the fourth? Deer. Deer. So he says bear. So he is to... And he's been fairly quiet the whole time, right? Yeah. Like, these guys are probably, like, gambling buddies, but they're probably not really friends. Um, they're friendly. Right. So the situation at the table would be if you were the 6 o'clock, uh, Whitmore would be the 9 o'clock. Right. Yeah, I wrote it down. Okay, Hilger would be the 12 o'clock. Right. So the way this works is it's going to go clockwise. So now Aldo puts a gold piece down and says, um, true, on to you. All right, so I just kind of studied this guy for a minute. Can I get a read or anything on this guy? Give me insight. 14. Um, you notice his left eye twitch. Ever so slightly. Now, how does the betting work with this? So now we're all... What, what did I say we're doing? Four gold? Three gold? Three gold. All right. So, we're, so three gold is in the pot. Well, so if you don't want to bet at all... Right. You don't put any gold in. If you do want to bet, if you think that he's lying or telling the truth, if you can figure it out, then you'll put a gold in. All right. So I, I and then what, what do you tend to call out? Lie? Lie or true. Okay. So I put a gold down and I say lie. Whit- I do not like the fact that Whitmore is sitting to my left in this game. You fucking son of a bitch. You did this on purpose. Oh, God. All right. So I say lie. Uh, Whitmore puts a gold in. Lie. Okay. All right, so he flips the card, and it's a fish. Oh. <laughs> what does Whitmore do? I'm going to roll something, because I'm split decision what I want to do. Oh, God. That face. Whitmore flips the table. Liar! <laughs> oh, my God. Come on. And punches. What? <laughs> Hilger in the face. Do me a favor. Roll initiative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I fucking hope this guy will up there with me a second. Oh, my God. This can't be happening. (laughs) This can't be happening. So, he... He just... He just cocked back... Punches this guy in the face after he flips the table. <laughs> yes. Cannot comprehend. Cannot comprehend how this game works. Can't get it. Can't get it. Okay. Um. Oh my god. So I get my dexterity bonus, obviously. It's initiative. Let me see. I'm at a plus three. Doesn't matter. I rolled a five. I am an eight. Alright, well, um, so the order is going to be you. Ban- uh, well. Oh wow, these guys suck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they do. You, uh, the gambler one, gambler two, and then Whitmore at the end. Okay. This guy's a fucking moron. 
right. On my action, I pay no mind to these two guys. I'm 100% focused on Whitmore. It's about to be three against one on Whitmore. And I, f- I yell at him like he's a fucking child. We're going to treat everyone with an AC of 10, unarmored. Okay. Except myself. I have a 12 because I'm special. <laughs> you took your extra furs off. I did. I'm back at a 10. Good. <laughs> furs are gone. I'm at a 10. Very warm in this fucking inn. Um, it's about to be warmer for this guy. Um, yeah, I, I totally focus on Whitmore. Are you going to hit him? No, I'm not going to hit him. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that because he is, in fact, my party member. And I, I feel there is a need for this guy, maybe, as we leave this city. But I am going to scold him like a child. I'm just going to totally chastise him, you know? So I yell at him. Um, what I say, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I think I'm just, like, so blown away by the fact that not... I, I don't know what, what strikes me... Yeah, no. I don't know what makes me crazier. The fact just, that he just flipped the him. table. No, you know what I am going to do? I'm uh, Because I don't want to start a brawl. Yeah, no, actually I do. I'm going to shove Whitmore. I'm not going to hit him. I'm just going to shove him. All right, give me a strength check. Oh, this is going to be pathetic. Yeah, he does not budge. A two. Okay. So when you shove him, he just kind of not really hugs you, but holds your arms like, Harrison, I think you're drunk. You're hitting me. Oh, my God. I said, don't. It's a game, you idiot. We're playing a game. Hilger swings at oh, no. Whitmore. Good. And when he swings, he kind of stumbles over pieces of the table and misses. Aldo also swings at Whitmore and punches him right in the chinny chin chin. And uh, Whitmore is going to take. One damage. Okay. Whitmore's turn. Can't wait to see what this guy does. Whitmore being just punched by Aldo. <laughs> what does he do? Uh, goes to swing, having never really fought anybody in his life. Because, uh, you know, big for nothing. Uh, just swings and completely misses. Uh, kind of gets off balance and... Goes to uh, goes to one knee, kind of gets tangled up in the legs of the now overturned table. I grab my chair. Okay. I swing at Aldo. <laughs> okay. It's a bar fight. Nine. All right. So uh, I can see that you kind of swing the chair, but everything's kind of happening fast. So you kind of—I would almost think like reactionary. You just kind of like as you see Whitmore fall, you just pick it up and swing it. Mm. And you miss him. Uh, so now Aldo picks up a chair. I'm sorry, uh, Hilger picks up a chair. 19. Oh, my God. Okay. So. At me, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be five damage. Holy shit. <laughs> that's going to be five damage. Uh, but the chair breaks. Oh, thank God. Okay. And Aldo uh, is going to attempt to tackle you. Okay. So, it's going to be strength. And don't even bother. That's a one. Okay. Um, So, uh, Aldo goes to tackle you, and you drop an elbow right on the back of his head and knock him out. Oh, thank God. One down. Uh, Whitmore's turn. Uh, Whitmore stands up, spins around. 
and as he spins around, he twists his ankle. <laughs> this guy is a fucking clown. Harrison is up. All right, so... Uh, I'm going to stand up because I, I guess from uh, from this guy, right? We both fell down to the ground. Uh, well, you didn't technically fall. Uh, he tried tackling you. He got a one. Oh, so okay. When, so as he, was, as went he down, went in, he just kind of dropped I caught your him with my elbow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I grab Whitmore's chair. Or I'll, I grab another chair. Okay. Because I feel the damage that it did to me. I know punching this guy is not going to work. Right. So, and he has a chair. I grab a chair. I'm going to swing a chair at Hilda. Come on, baby. God damn it. Two. All right. Uh, Hilger turns his attention to you. The chair is broken and just goes to punch you and misses. Okay. Whitmore gets up and with uh, disadvantage, I'll say, swings at Hilger and drops a 10 for a 7. You're up. Technically speaking, do I have advantage being that a party member is within five feet of this guy? Not yet. So we're not even going to play that. No. We'll do that later. Okay. This is a bar fight. Let's keep it raw. Yeah. Good. Raw dog it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to swing my chair again at him. I hope I roll a one and smash Whitmore in the head. <laughs> That's really what I'm hoping for. The lower the better. A seven. No good. All right. Hilger yeah, squares up with you. And that's a 13. Oh, man. He might fucking knock my ass out. No, he doesn't have a chair. No. Yeah, Whitmore's up. Okay. That's a three. This is like the world's worst bar fight. Just <laughs> fucking missing all over. We have to remember each each round is six seconds, so it's still going pretty quick. No, understood. But like you think of a bar fight in a movie, like it's dude just getting the, the shit kicked the out of biggest him. Biggest guy there probably isn't falling and twisting his ankle right, after yeah. starting the fight. Yeah, looking like a complete fool. <laughs> all right. Um I I'll go to swing again this chair. I just try to like pick it up over my head and just drop it straight down on Hilger's head. Okay. And while I'm doing this, I'm screaming at Whitmore. Damn you, Whitmore. Damn you. In eight. All right. Man, I can't hit this shit Hilger's today. up. Yes. Three. Good. Whitmore's up. And Whitmore. Yes. Stands up and just uppercuts Hilger right out of his boots. Really? Oh, yeah. That was a 20. So Hilger goes flying to the, and crashing to the ground. And uh, that will take you out of combat. Okay. And most likely out of the bar. And we're back. Uh, Harrison Pullet making things happen. He's a mover and a shaker in the world. I almost left. Huh? I'm sorry? You almost left. Uh, the, the Megadeth. I'm sorry. This is from my oh, heyday. Oh, we're still doing this. This okay. is my heyday. Oh, here we go. The greatest... greatest Hold on, hold on, Doesn't this scream thrash metal? Everyone's allowed a ballad, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let's go to the next song then. Lars is totally going to sue us. He's a fag. Such a dick. 
What is this? Oh, here, Low Man's Lyric. This is Metallica. I think I have Metallica's greatest song. Now, you know what's fucked up? I actually like this song. It just kills me that it's from Metallica. You know? Let me see if I, I can find... I can't, I can't listen to that. Fucking Cliff Burton. You had to die, huh? Where is... How do you go from this? How do you go from this to that? Uh, Terrible. Harrison has been put on the back burner. Harrison is on the back burner right now because we're having a very intense debate right now. Um, but I, I think I found Metallica's heaviest song. Mm. What the fuck is this? Metallica. No. <laughs> Yes, yes. Don't they know it's the end of the world? It's not. I don't even know the words. That's funny because I found Megadeth's greatest hit from oh. the 90s. <laughs> don't you remember this one? Yeah, it was good enough for Marty McFly. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Internet's number one D&D podcast. (laughs) (laughs) When we finally do the retro episode of Metallica versus Megadeth, it's going to get ugly. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to get fugly. All right. Let's get back on track. Let me have some whiskey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Miniatures versus theater. Of the mind. With an E. And I think the best way to start this is to start from one extreme and go all the way to the other. Okay. There is a YouTube channel, and full disclosure, I love this guy. I love him. I watch his channel every single day, knowing that I will never use anything that he does, but he's so masterful with his craft that he deserves... (laughs) <laughs> what does he deserve? I feel <laughs> I feel like there's something in my throat. <laughs> it's Dave Mustaine's dick. Come on. Oh. Grow up. <laughs> he deserves a shout yes. out. And he couldn't possibly get a better shout out than that. Oh, of course. Me choking to death on my own saliva and tongue like like a retard. <laughs> <laughs> uh it is. Who is it? Black Magic Craft. Ah, uh, yes, yes. He builds the most amazing things out of uh, styrofoam uh, for his D&D games. And he is not opposed, it seems like, to build an entire village on his game table to have his players play around in. Um, so we're going to start there. Now, I will say that there is a place for that kind of play. Obviously, people like it. He's got thousands and thousands of uh, subscribers. 
we have. Pauline, how many subscribers do we have? Five. Okay, so he's got a few more than us. But uh, I can't play games that way. However, I would like to take his techniques and build some kind of diorama, almost, as decoration for here in the, in the Shed of Misery. Where do you fall on the uber, fully immersed, 3D, tactile, miniature playstyle? I am not a fan. If I'm going to play like that, I'm going to play a game like Zombicide. Or I'm going to play a tabletop war game like Warhammer. To play D&D, I think a lot of it... I think when you hearken back to the original Dungeons & Dragons, the most, in my opinion, that I would be comfortable with would be a map. And that's why I like Fantasy Grounds. I think Fantasy Grounds is pretty cool because the, the DM or the GM can put a map out there. He can use that... What do they call that? The uh, Like a fog wall? And kind of open up the map as you work your way through a forest and encounter whatever enemies you're going to encounter. To sit there and try to construct a village that may or may not have some epic scene take place during your campaign, to me, is a little overkill. And I think if you're just trying to get into this game, to focus on shit like that is very off-putting, you know? Like, I, I wouldn't want anybody to think that the only way to play D&D or the best way to play D&D is with, like, a, a somebody crafting buildings and dungeons and enemies and that you have to bring your own figurine to the table in order to play. I think that is reserved for other tabletop games. When it comes to D&D, I'm a big fan of theater of the mind. And I think a lot of that should be created by a good DM. The DM should set the tone should be able to describe, almost like reading a book, should be able to describe the setting, the environment, the enemies that you're facing, you know, the, uh, the terrain that you're dealing with, the, um, the weather. I think a, a good DM is going to be able to plant that seed in your mind and then you navigate whatever scenario it is that you've encountered based on the information that's been provided to you by the DM. I think it's almost a crutch when you're at a table and you, you it, first of all to me I, I think it's it's too overwhelming there's a lot of for, look at us we have all this shit on the table can you imagine trying to fucking role play now with other stuff on the table we'd have no room right we would have to have the table at the end of uh, at easy money when they're at that like long banquet <laughs> right. table and we need a butler yeah to fucking to move our pieces or like across the table can you pass the salt yes yeah um I agree now Having said that, I do love his channel, uh, and I watch him 100%. almost every day. And I'm going to build some of the shit that's on his channel, but I'm going to I'm going to build it for display purposes uh, for out here. Um, <clears throat> now, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we have the complete theater of the mind, which I'm I'm fine with. Yeah, the downside of that is, and I and I learned some lessons uh, by this point. I would imagine. Because we pre-recorded uh, our gameplay sessions, by this point, I would imagine that Harrison has at least broached the cave, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So, using that as a reference, and if not spoilers, uh, there's a scene involving a bear, and in case we haven't gotten there yet, I'll just leave it at that. Right. Even better, the the bar room. We definitely have gotten there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where Whitmore flips the table. There is something to be said about building a fully realized 3D bar and placing it on the table. Going complete theater of the mind. And one of the things I learned from editing the these gameplay sections is that I needed to get... I'm sorry, gameplay what? Sections. Se- sections. That's what I said. Not sessions? Se- Since when do we refer I'll give to it these to as sessions? I'll give it to you. Give me, give me a lower... Give me, give me a lower... Yeah, you DC. get a 10. What are you talking oh, about? Fuck. Never heard the word section come out of your mouth. <laughs> you, you get to keep whatever that role is. What is that? Just for, for everybody out there, he rolled into his dice tray. It bounced out and went right into the ashtray. Dice tray to ashtray. <laughs> it was still in a tray. That was a three. Good. There you go. And I re-rolled the 13, but I'm a man of my word. Uh, you're, you're good. You're good. All right. So what about this section? I learned that I need to get better at explaining what's happening. So in the Whitmore scene, we know we're in a bar. Uh, I said as much, and we know we're at a table. We know where everyone is. We detective. <laughs> I got a got a limp. <laughs> oh shit! Son of a bitch. There you go. There we go. Uh, we know that we're at a table. We know where everyone's sitting at the table. But when Whitmore flips out and flips the table. Uh, I could have done a better job of explaining what happened to that table. Where what was it blocking you? Right. I didn't do any of that. Now we're big on playing fast and loose, uh, as long as everyone's having fun. Right. That's that's my mantra, and it always has been from from years ago when I DM'd to now. As long as everyone's laughing and having a good time, uh, that's all that I really care about. And I would imagine that translates to the listener as well. Having said that. We got into this whole big rigmarole of everyone swinging chairs at each other and nobody's hitting each other. Uh, and I believe you even mentioned that this is the worst bar fight in history. Yes. and Which it was. Yeah. That's a failure on my part. Because instead of just saying roll, miss, roll, hit, if you're going to go complete theater of the mind, you have to be invested in complete theater of the mind. What are the other people in the bar doing? Are there other people in the bar? We never got into that. Right. Uh, you have to be cognizant that if there's no physical representation on the table, you have to go balls to the wall. And on the same token, you can go overboard with it. The DM should not be sitting there talking for 40 minutes about what the room looks like before we start doing anything in it. So there's there's a balancing act, and obviously I have a little bit to learn. But on the flip side to that is the ambiance that's created with the, um, you know, with any kind of like betting music or tracks that depict voices in the background. I think the listener understands that there are other people right. in the bar, and I think if you're going to sit there and build, <clears throat> you're you're going to build this bar scene for it for role playing, and now you're gonna you're gonna create miniatures and tables and other people that are in the bar. Dude, if you're going to do it for that, now you've got to do it for everything. Now right. what happens when we're trekking through the swamp? Right. You know, or the forest or the the mountains. You're, you're going to build fucking mountains to... And where do you draw the line is... That's always been like my point of reference when it comes to actually having visual aids on the table. Now I'm 
I can understand a GM who wants to sit there and you know you, you come up to some key point in the campaign where you come to a uh, you know some some what, what did he do like a hag the 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 hag building that the he hag built hut? Yeah, yeah 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 one of his best builds by the way oh I think it's amazing it's amazing but is it necessary and the answer in my opinion is no does it maybe enhance what you're doing yeah potentially. But again, I think if you have a good enough DM who can explain everything um, in detail without, like you had mentioned, going over the top and spending 40 minutes going over the detail of the hut, I, I think that's good enough. My imagination is more creative than looking at some styrofoam figure on a table. Right. You know? And the cool thing with that is it allows everybody at the table, whether in a situation... In, fuck. I'm going to call myself out on that. I almost said situation. <laughs> a situation. Fucking nine. Down the hatch. Here you go. You need a refill. I need a refill. There we go. Thank you. I think in a situation where it's just a one-on-one campaign, or if it's you know a DM with six players sitting around the table, I think everybody at the table has their own interpretation of what's taking place. And I think that's the cool part about, you know, role-playing. You know, you're playing this role. You're supposed to be immersed in the world. You're supposed to be trying to understand, like, what's going on. You use your brain to, yeah. to understand. And, again, I equate it to reading a book. The, the GM or the DM, depending on what you're doing, should be able to paint a picture to the point where it creates this visual story in your mind as to what your character is about to go through. If Yeah, and we're going to get into personal styles and too many people uh, for this to make sense, but for especially for one-on-one, if I could redo the bar fight scene, it would be Whitmore going, Cheater! <laughs> Whitmore flips the table. Right. The table crashes on the ground. Drinks go flying. Uh, I don't remember the two characters the two NPCs, but they get up, they jump back from their chairs, and they back up. They knock their chairs over as they back up. And now they're squaring off with you with this four-foot round table in between you and them. The two characters look at each other and start moving towards Whitmore. That's how it would reframe that scene. Now, people might say, well, what do you do if there's six people playing, how are you going to keep track of that? And you're right. That's a mess, especially if you're talking about different elevations. You're fighting in a valley with foothills and large boulders, and people start jumping on top of boulders like the ranger jumps on top of a boulder to get a better shot and all this shit. Uh, And then you start dealing with wizards who have distances on their spells, to which I would say, for me personally, as, as a purist of theater of the mind... When the player says, I'm going to do this, it takes a split second for the human brain to say, that is cool, or nah, that's not cool. Right. If it's cool, yeah, we're doing it. If the, the, fire, the, the fire bolt is three feet or six feet or five feet out of range, whatever, it hits. Or it, we'll let you roll for it. Um, but at that point, now it starts. The onus starts going on the player to make a cool decision. 
Uh, and as you guys will see as we go deeper into the gameplay, Harrison does make cool decisions while we used to get into combat, and we address those things. I think if you start getting lost in the minutia of, well, this is a difficult terrain, so your movement speed is cut in half, I, again, as a big fan of playing fast and loose with the rules, if you say to me, I'm going to jump up on top of this hill and start launching, you don't have this, but if you start launching magic missiles from on top of this hill, if in that split second in my mind that sounds like a cool scene, yeah, we're going to run with it. Yeah. And I'm so fast and loose with the rules that I might not even make your roll to hit, you know, or if I do make you roll to hit, no matter what you roll, something is going to happen. Right. Right. You you explain to me that you want to do X, Y, and Z, right? We'll use the valley example. You're in a valley. Some goblins or those fucking scumbag bugbears are coming down the path towards you, and you say that you're going to leap up on top of this uh, this little outcropping of rock and start launching magic missiles. In my mind, I'm like, that sounds really cool, especially because we're doing a podcast. Uh, okay, roll the hit. And you miss. Well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you don't miss. You jump up and you start launching magic missiles, and it flies by these bugbears and slams into the rock behind them, and that causes an avalanche. And I'm going to make them roll a deck save to see if they get crushed or not. It's a little different because we're recording a show, and I, I always have to try and keep entertainment at the top level. But if you're going to go no miniatures, then there's also no rules. As far as I'm concerned. Right. How annoying would it be to have a fully realized village on your tabletop, as beautiful as that would be, but you can't hit this guy because he happens to be on a square that's around a corner five feet away from your movement speed. Now, could that open up doors for other cool scenarios? Of course. But... I feel like it would just grind everything to a halt if we start doing this Benny Hill running around a building right? trying to get to each other. I think a lot of it boils down to the interpretation between the GM and the player and having an open mind as to what you're encountering, which again goes back to me being a, a larger fan of the theater of the mind than being one that plays with, with miniatures. Plus... I think GMs out there or DMs have to understand that just because they're the ones running the campaign, it doesn't mean that everything that they say is set in stone. And they need to be open to constructive criticism from their players. After every session, the GM should be able to ask his players, hey, look, what did you guys think? Uh, what should we change? Um, was there any, any alterations that you think I should make? And we do that. Uh, of course. And the players should be comfortable with voicing their opinions to the guy who's running the session and say, hey, look, you know, this scene was awesome, but, you know, maybe next time, maybe a little more leeway, uh, you know, with my ability to, to kind of take cover and, and cast a spell. You know, it would just make things more fun because it boils down at the end of the day, it boils down, you, you guys are sitting around the table, you're, you're, you're having fun. You're sitting there, you're, you're playing your role-playing game, you're drinking, you're smoking your pipe or cigar, whatever it is that you're doing. And, uh, I'm sorry, your what? Cigar. Pipe, pipe tobacco. Yeah. No, if I, oh boy, if I find what you happened? guys smoking cigars, there's going to be fucking problems up in this bitch. All right, no cigars. No cigars. Um, again, there, there should be an open dialogue between the player and the GM. Yes. With, you know, how things go. And there is a happy medium. You know, to your point, 
if there's a crazy battle going on and it's starting to get in the way, there's nothing wrong with throwing down some grid paper uh, with a couple of miniatures on there just to get an idea. And that's not to say that because we go straight theater of the mind, and it is easy because it's just one-on-one. Right. I do have a shitload of miniatures, and I do paint them. I'll, uh, I'll throw some of them bitches up on Instagram. But, dude, it's simple math. Like, if I know, even if you're running a five-player campaign, if I know that we're, we're spaced out, you know, 10 feet from each other, and there's an enemy 15 feet away, it's very easy to understand, look, this guy closes in. Well, let's go a little further than that, because with GM, right, your, your general movement is, what, about 30? So let, let's say you're, you're 60 feet away from somebody. It's very easy to use the the math to your advantage and understand where enemies are and friendlies are in relation to that enemy. So I don't think, look, miniatures, yeah, aesthetically it's pleasing. It's nice to look down at a table and see these miniatures, but is it necessary? Absolutely not. Does it make the game better? Absolutely not. It's all, you know, what is, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know? And to sit here... First of all, look, we're we're sitting at a table right here. That's what, what do you think, maybe three feet by six feet? Yeah. I think to sit here and just bog this table down with miniatures would be a pain in the balls. If you have the opportunity to, to have a table that's 10 feet by 10 feet and you want to throw shit in the center that you need a fucking stick to start moving players around. Like craps. Yeah, that, that, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, fine, all the power to you. I just think shit like that is reserved for games like Warhammer, you know, where sightline is important and, you know. If you've never played with miniatures, I would say give it a try. Yeah. See if you like it. If you've only played with miniatures, try doing it just theater of the mind. And there's a lot of variables involved. You need the right people and whatnot. But whatever is comfortable for you, obviously, that's what you go with. We prefer just straight theater of the mind. And we're getting better as we go. And you guys will hear as we get deeper into our gameplay sessions. And the final note I would say is I still like to paint miniatures. I have probably three, two, $300 worth of paint supplies to paint miniatures, and I enjoy doing it. But you get to do it at your own pace, and you get to display them. So anything else? I think we covered it all. All right. Two... What was our toe? Oh, to people who tie their sweaters around their shoulders. God, they should burn in hell. If hell exists, burn. <laughs> uh, to Metallica. Greatest fucking thrash metal band for the first three albums ever. To Megadeth. Come on now. You can't toast You Megadeth. had to be fair, you fucking scumbag. All right, to the thrash metal band that has three great songs. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Veruca Salt. <laughs> oh, man, Seether. One of my greatest songs of all time. To Dice. And Pipes. 